guardian.co.uk. This is Ali Kennan for the Guardian Children's Books podcast. This is an excerpt from chapter two of my new book called Bullet Boys. Barely inches away and hidden inside the tree, Alex stood with his arms pressed to his sides, his breathing so shallow and quiet he thought he might faint. He was pressed in on all sides by soft, crumbling, rotting wood and had just one tiny peephole to the left of his face. How quickly his day had changed direction. He could see the river and now the tip of Saul's gun. He hadn't any time to think when the soldiers came sneaking down the hill. Instinct had made him hide. Alex had known about this tree forever. He'd come across it when he was a lad, chasing squirrels with gaffer. He'd crawled inside and stood up. When he tilted his head back, he could see the sky. It was like being in a chimney. Now he was beginning to question his decision. If anything happened to him, in this tree, no one would ever, ever find him. Thank goodness Tim had taken gaffer with him today. There's no hiding with a dog. Hello, Saul called out, so close Alex felt the vibration of his voice through the dead wood. We just want the gun back, nothing else. Alex didn't believe him. Then Saul swore. Look at that! Alex saw a glimpse of shoulder and arm as Saul reached up and unhooked the gun from the branch. Alex hadn't wanted to leave the gun lying in the puddle. Now he wished he had. He felt the vibration of feet and relieved grunts. How did it get here? Baz exclaimed. Saul stepped back from the tree and Alex had a clear view of Riley. You drive me mental, he said. I can't reach that high, said Baz, ignoring his brother. He took the gun and examined it. Thank God. Alex had a cough building in his throat. It was an itching, burning sort of cough, made worse by the dusty soil around him and the lack of air. His throat tightened. He was going to explode. Sod it. Let's just go, said Saul. Q might let this go if we get back now. You mean you're not going to radio the checkpoint and tell all? Asked Baz, a break in his voice. Move it, said Saul. The cough was just there, boiling away in Alex's throat. His eyes were watering. Gingerly, he manoeuvred his hand to his mouth. He stuffed his fist inside, unable to stop a tiny grunt escaping. Baz heard him. What was that? The others looked at him. Come on, snapped Riley. It came from over here, said Baz, coming back to the tree. He put his hands on the trunk and looked up at the leaves. Who the hell cares now we've got the weapon, said Riley, following Saul out of the river hollow to the grass beyond. Baz spied the hole and to Alex's horror put his eye to it. Alex felt a deep, paralysing fear as Baz's pupils dilated in surprise. This was very bad. Time seemed to stand still as they gazed at each other. Move it, soldier, came a voice from a million miles away. You're dead, mouthed Baz soundlessly. Ali, this is your sixth novel, and um, I was very surprised to read it because it's so very male in both in its characters and, and in, in its concerns. It's about boys and guns. Yes, um, I seem drawn to writing about boys and pretending to be a boy. I'm not really sure why. I know I grew up with uh, lots of foster brothers, tended to have boys in the house, so I'm used to hanging out maybe with lots of teenage boys. Maybe that's why. D- tell us a little bit about the, the story, 
Bullet Boys is about three lads. It's about Max. He's a bit of a loner. Um, he gets into a lot of trouble, doesn't get on with his family. He's just been expelled from his very posh private school for dastardly deeds. It's about Levi. He's a very shrewd, happy-go-lucky sort of chap, um, but he's the glue that holds it together. He's a very sociable fellow. Um, and it's about Alex, who's this gamekeeper's son. He's cool and sexy and crack shot, and he's, he's, he's a lovely fellow. Anyway, these lads live on the outskirts of Dartmoor, and um, they keep brushing up against and coming into trouble with a group of young trainee soldiers. Anyway, these uh, lads, they find uh, a cache of terribly terrifying buried things. I can't tell you what until you've read the book. On the moor, they find this deadly secret. Um, the book ends up in a terrifying manhunt across Startmoor. Imagine being chased across the moor by armed soldiers in your socks. It's bullet boys. Do you live near Dartmoor? It's very, very evocative the way you write about the moor and what a difficult place it is to be on. Thank you. No, I live near Exmoor, um, which is slightly more friendly, I think, than Dartmoor. Um, I have spent a lot of time on Dartmoor. as I've grown up in the West Country, so I spent a lot of time there as a child. I did go for some, some walks on Dartmoor and I did get lost, so maybe that helps. <laughs> Now, I'm really interested in the way you've decided to write this book because you have decided to write Alex's sections in the third person and then you write Max's sections in the first person, which is quite challenging, really. So, so tell us about that decision. Alex, who I write in the third person, is, I think he's an easy character to like. He is tall, dark, handsome, glorious, kind, friendly. Um, I felt um, that he was someone I could describe using the third person, someone who could go about his business and hopefully my readers would like. Max, on the other hand, he's horrid. He's not a nice boy. He's troubled and nasty. But in order to propel the story along, I needed my readers to be with him and get right inside his head. And in order to be write inside his head I thought it's best to write in the first person I really enjoy writing in the first person most of my other books apart from Sparks are all written in the first person so I felt it's a way to get an immediacy to Max's voice and as you say Max isn't a very nice person he hates his parents he, the only person he really likes is his brother who's in the army Yes, he doesn't get on with his parents. I mean, in the book, you see, Max loathes his parents because they're so cloying and because they want to know what's going on and they don't understand him. Um, but then there's Levi, whose mother is equally cloying, and yet he, he, he just thinks that's concern. It's like, oh, mum, she only loves me. Whereas Max is irritated by this and intense intensely irritated. I think Max is just a very bright boy who hasn't found the right groove for him and he's he feels like an outsider, he feels like no one understands him, he's got a lot of anger, he's jealous of his glorious shining older brother and he never gets it right. Do you think that people who are reading this would like Max? I was very interested in you describing Alex so positively for example because I didn't see him as a tall, dark, handsome boy. Oh. I saw him as sort of a bit, bit more scraggy. A bit mousy, yes. <laughs> yeah. well, Somebody who I... hung out with dogs and rats. Yes, well, maybe that's what I think is tall, dark and handsome. I don't know. Um, I don't know. He's so angry that I hope that people would be interested in him because Max, he is quite a straight sort of character, Alex. Um, whereas Max, he's the one that drives the story and that's what I hope the readers would hang with despite him being not particularly appealing um, to have a character that's not particularly nice but he is causing a lot of trouble hopefully interest and excitement. 
Is this something you've done before in your novels, to have a central character who's, who's not particularly likeable? I always try and have something likeable about my main characters, but I think Max is maybe one of the least likeable, um, which is why I needed Alex and Levi as a sort of uh, foil. In my book Beast, the first book I had published, I have this boy called Stephen, and he's 17, and, and he's been in a foster family, done all sorts of dastardly deeds. He's trying to turn his life around, but he's keeping a savage creature by the side of a reservoir, which he feeds. So he's done lots of bad things but on the other hand he's got a real integrity about him it's great fun to write about characters that don't have moral boundaries it's brilliant I mean, it's it's you know limitless but on the other hand I want my reader to like them now these three boys are 17 is that right yes yeah, 17 and 18 at what age would you imagine the your readers would be? Because they won't be 17 and 18, will they? No, I kind of imagine that they'll be 13, 14, 15, 16, and maybe some good 12-year-old readers and maybe 11-year-old readers too. I know when I was 11, I was reading adult books. It's interesting to read about children that are older than you. As a child... Maybe you're not so interested in reading about younger children, and and particularly girls as well. I do have a girl in this book, Sasha. She's got a baby. She's and an unmarried mother. She's an unmarried mother, but she is, you know, she is very feisty, and she's trying to get back to college, and she's trying to get back with her friends who've all kind of left her behind because she's been struggling with this baby. Who do you envisage being your reader? My first reader is always my husband, Dan, and he's very generous, and that he'll say delightful things, but then say some good, solid things that I need to sort of reconsider and think about. I can trust him. I do a lot of school visits and it's great to go into schools and meet the kids and they will tell me fair and square what they think of the book. So having been and visited so many schools I have a good idea of the sort of kids that might be reading my books. Now I was very interested in the focus on the army because this isn't really fashionable is it? When I was growing up um, I lived very near um, an army base um, outside Taunton and I was always fascinated to know what was going on behind the barbed wire. Uh, I think my dad once had an incident when um, he was taking a cow to market, my family of farmers, and a cow escaped in the middle of the road and it was running along by the army barracks and it was running amok in the traffic and um, it was dreadful. Anyway, my dad went to the army and said, and some, some corporal or somebody came out and tried to help my father get the cow in and my dad said hasn't anyone got a gun around here anyway they rescued the cow but it was always very intriguing to know what was going on behind there but I was very interested in the mix my three lads you know 17 18 and these young soldiers they're 19 20 21 yet they're having a very different experience of life but they're all lads um I was interested to know what the two groups mix what happens but also from a story point of view the army have access to such exciting equipment you know and when I started thinking about this book I thought right what are these boys going to get hold of for goodness sake imagine breaking in somewhere like this and you know what what could you disguise the limit I, I found it very exciting how much research did you do I did quite a lot of research. I mean, I started off on the internet researching you know, army websites and YouTube, watching soldiers training. And then I spoke to various um, army personnel asking questions about what exactly would they wear? What training exercise exactly would they be doing on the moor? How possibly could this equipment be stolen from here and moved to here? Um, I also went and spoke to, I went into my local army recruitment office and uh, asked them some searching questions. They asked me first if I was a terrorist and I said, no, no, no. 
And then they asked me if I was an ecologist. And I said, no, no, no. And then they asked me if I was a journalist. And I said, no, no, no. And they said, OK, fire away. So after that very searching interrogation, they answered all my questions about gun running and breaking into army camps. So it's reassuring to know that it's all so secure. <laughs> um, when I was growing up, I was very sort of scathing of, of the army. And I was sort of into peace. And, and But learning more and more about it, come to have a huge respect for what the army does. But at the same time, being very intrigued by the way they go about things. You mentioned at the beginning that you grew up as, with foster brothers and sisters. Tell yes. us a little bit about that. I wondered how much that had, had fed your ability to imagine different people from different sexes, different ages, different backgrounds. My, my family um, fostered teenagers from when I was four till when I was 22. So, um, but they had a little break when me and my brother were teenagers. So they fostered probably over 60 teenagers over the years, some staying for one night, some staying for four years. Um, I grew up on a farm on Exmoor, middle of nowhere. It was quite a good place for the more feisty children because there's nothing to steal, nowhere to run and um, not much to do apart from sort of be outside. And it was a really good environment, I think, the big farmhouse with animals animals I think can be quite therapeutic if you don't fancy talking to people so I did spend a lot of time with feisty teenage boys which which I'm sure feed my interest in writing about them now for more great downloads go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio